Welcome to the VoiceOver Hustle. If you're in the business, you know voice acting is tough. Marketing your voiceover is really tough. If you're a voice actor who wants advice from industry professionals, marketing experts, and people who hire voice actors, this is the podcast for you. Now here's your host, Steve O'Brien. Did you notice in high school, there were those people that were like really good at knowing the material. And then there were some other people that were always good at taking tests. Well, many times, I don't know if you feel the same, auditioning can feel like taking a test. And auditioning is key to your voiceover hustle. I mean, that's one of the things we do that helps us get work. Our guest today is no stranger to landing the big gigs with his awesome auditions. Bobby is a proud sag after member working as a VO talent most recently for campaigns like Nintendo, CDW, Cox Communications, uh, the FDA. He's doing work for the feds. That's right. Uh, he's represented by Grossman Jack in Chicago. He is also the podcast producer of Business Made Simple. And if you haven't listened to this podcast, it is brilliant. Each week, the show reaches about 150,000 business professionals and entrepreneurs with over 16 million lifetime downloads. He lives in Nashville with his wife, two children, and Bobby has an overwhelming Star Wars collection. We want to get into that also. Bobby Richards, thank you so much for being on the VoiceOver Hustle. Thanks for having me, Steve. That's great. I'm actually in my... In, I'm amongst my Star Wars collection right now, which is all sort of like hoarded around my studio at home. <laughs> you got to, you know, you need that backup just in case things go awry. I just want to always, always have a TIE fighter in my hand when I'm auditioning for McDonald's. I don't know why. It just makes it makes me comfortable. It makes me feel safe. You're an auditioning expert. And when you look at auditioning, do you see this as a performance? Do you see this as marketing? What's your mindset? The best advice that I ever got about approaching auditions is to approach the audition like that's that's the session. That's the job. Mm. So that's that's the part where you go to work. Not to say that the session's not work, but that's where you have to, you know, get in front of people and, and pretty much say, yeah, I'm the right guy. And so you go in and you prep and you you give them take after take. And a lot of these auditions, you you are self-taped or you're, you're doing them, uh, you know, in the yeah. pre-pandemic times, post-COVID times. You'll do them at your agency. But you go in prepped and ready to go so that then at the session, the session's just the cherry on top. That's like, OK, cool. Yeah. Now you're going to now you can pay me to do this because I, I earned it, you know. But again, there's so many other factors that go into, you know, you might nail the audition and it just doesn't go your way for some reason, you know, but it really is approaching it like this is the job. This is not the audition. This is the job. And then the job or the session is that's just a little bit extra. I mean, you've already if you've come up with a great audition, you're three quarters of the way there as far as what they want. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Is there is there like three things that you could say, OK, if you do these, these will improve your auditioning skills? Yeah, yeah. And in fact, so this is what so I used to coach a little bit when I was living in Chicago. And uh -huh. what I would always tell people if I was working with them for the first time, and this is all stuff that I l stole from the the best of the best when I was uh, uh, young and had no idea what I was doing. And there's still times when I feel like I, I have no idea what I'm doing. But these, these are the things that I kind of stole from and, and got from uh, from the great VO talent of, of yesterday. Um, it's the idea that... First off, you want to know who you're talking to. And it's not just like this broad general, like, oh, yeah, I'm talking to 
women or men or children or teens or whatever. It's who is that audience of one? Who is that individual person that you're talking to with this copy? And the copy might be pretty non, it might not be very personal. Like you're literally just saying, you know, get a Big Mac at McDonald's for $3.99, you know? And, and it could be like, okay, well, who would, I, why would I ever say that to somebody? Well, you're talking to somebody who's listening to the ad play through whatever streaming, you know, if, if you're, if you're on Pandora and there's an app that pops up or if you're watching TV or if there's an ad on the radio, somebody's listening. And most of the time it's going to be one person who's listening. So that's what I always say. It's like focus in, hone in on who you're talking to, know who that is, because then that gives you so much more intention than just how do I say these words good, you know? And so that's the first thing is like, find, find your audience of one. The second thing is don't be afraid to get into your body, like use it. Like I'm just talking to you right now and I'm, I'm using my hands, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm standing up. Uh, I've got a little pad in my studio that, that I can stand on. And sometimes in auditions I'll sway. Um, there's a, there's a, a, a voiceover uh, legend named Danny Goldring who still rocks, he still rocks and rolls and does all this stuff still. But when he would audition, I would watch him and he would, we were rep by the same agency. He would point furiously. <laughs> He would just point past the mic like, I'm talking to you. And if you could see me right now, I'm literally just jabbing past the mic and I'm, you know, really, really helping. That helps punctuate things. It helps give a ton of intention and and forward motion and momentum to your voice. So don't be afraid Mm -hmm. to use your hands, to use your body. That's, That's number two. And then the third thing would be to smile. And I'd say, I'd say like almost 90% of VO auditions are, are going to be friendly or, or, or the breakdown is like be friendly or, or approachable, uh, warm, you know? And so you can really, really come across that way by the way that your mouth is shaped. Air comes out of your mouth and your sound comes out of your mouth differently when you're smiling than if you're not smiling. And of course there's brightness in your voice and you can play with that. But just when you add a smile, it's just that little tiny subtle detail in your voice that I think is, even if it's subconscious, it's noticeable. So those are my, those are my three those would be my three tips right off the bat. You know, and, and to that last point you made, it's like people like to work with people they like. They like to listen to people that they like. And if you oh, smile, yeah. you sound like a likable person. You sound like a human. <laughs> oh. A human who's cool, yeah. Human. See, that's the fourth one. I need to sound more human. Sound more human. <laughs> so is auditioning, is it about showcasing your performance? Is it about showcasing the writer's ideas? Is it about showcasing the product? I think there's a I think there's there's a handful of approaches and it really depends on sort of what the what the product is. And over time you can kind of you, you kind of figure that out as you honestly just get the reps in. You know, it's like fast food and beer and and uh, uh, very, very sort of like selly, real quick run type stuff. Um, that kind of that kind of stuff, at least to me. It feels like that lives purely in the delivery and in the sense of it. I mean, you got to nail the words because usually it has a lot to do with like the cost or, or you know, uh, a two for one deal or whatever. But ultimately, it's it's about coming across as like friendly mm-hmm. and likable and approachable. And so, but then if you're doing something that has more to do with say like a, a medical read or a legal read or something like that, there's there's an aspect of, of credibility that you have to that you have to sort of give to give to your read and 
honestly, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm getting off topic on this, but no. I, I think that it's, I think that it really is, it's like you focus on, you can focus on the product, products with some stuff. Um, you can focus on the, the specs that they give you, which is sort of the breakdown of what they want from the read or from the audition. And that can be, that's when you get all the descriptive words like authoritative or um, a husband or friendly or not an announcer. That's very, very common. Like they'll yeah. say, we just want a regular guy. And I think when it comes down to it, I, I'll break my takes down if, it's, if they want two or three takes. I usually give them, the first one I'll give them what they literally have asked for. Yeah. And then the second one I'll give them what I think they want, which sometimes uh-huh. I, they might say, hey, we want a regular guy. And I'm like, I really think you want an announcer that has a regular guy vibe, yeah. but you still want a selly, a selly sound. And then that third take, if I have a third take, I do what I want. And I kind of give them an approach that's sort of outside of the outside of their spec. And it's not like so off the cuff. Like if it's a legal read and I do it as like a goofy cartoon character, that's not, that's not what I do, but it's like, okay, well, what's an approach that I think would be fun and cool. That would be sort of like in the session, they'd go, okay, Bobby, play with it. Just give us one, just give us one that you think, you know, whatever you want to do. And so I do that as, as sort of my, as sort of my third read. When you make it your own, are you, do you add words? Do you add the ums and the has and Hey, you know what? And those kinds of things. Do you know what I, sometimes I, sometimes I do, if it's a character read, like if it's like a, a dialogue between two friends or a husband and wife, I might play around with that because sometimes there's room to improvise with that. And they might even say too, like, you know, give us a take that's improvise. Technically union within union auditions and in the union, you, you're not supposed to improvise because technically that means you're writing the spot for them. Uh, so then they need to pay you uh, like a, 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 a set fee or there's like a percentage they add. Yep. But honestly, if it's a line or a word, it doesn't matter. And uh, so I might do that. The one the one trick that I do is I'll do it as sort of a button at the end. So if it's a McDonald's spot and it's like there's you're trying to hit a five second or a 10 second read, I might at the end add a little thing that, you know, that's not there that I might be like, well, that's pretty cool. Or isn't that cool? You know what I mean? Like almost like a, it's like what I would be thinking. And I just say it out loud. And, and sometimes you'll, you'll get feedback or you'll book a spot and they'll go, man, just that, that was so cool that you added that last little line. Mm-hmm. And, I'll, <laughs> and I'll just go, all I said was what I was thinking. I think one of the problems with auditions or even performances, you don't want that first word to sound like the first word. It, right. How do you do that? How do you get into it? Well, I think... Because we can self because we can self tape these or mo- I mean I feel like almost a hundred percent of the time people are auditioning at a home studio or not in front of the actual producers like they you know might have back in the day, but what I do is I just I'll go over and over it. I mean I I might I might do a you know a thirty second audition and it might take me twenty five thirty minutes top to bottom from when I start recording to when I send it mm-hmm. because I'm kind of working it out and I'm thinking about things and I'm you know mm-hmm. making notes you might some I have friends and, and I know people that will sit with a script and they'll notate it all and they'll put little marks and dashes and they kind of know how it breaks up and they'll put little lines that point down that go you know friendly here or whatever and what I'll do is I'll just I kind of work that in while I'm auditioning so I can kind of hear hear that as as I'm going it kind of evolves it's kind of a pain in the butt in the edit but I feel like it's so much more it's worth so much more to the audition 
to really work through it on the mic than off the mic. And then you come on and go, okay, this is 100% what it's going to be because most of the time you're still going to play around with it. Yeah, I mean, I've had people say, well, I don't want to take from several several different things because it's not real. And I'm like, they're going to do that in the session. Oh, oh yeah, they're going to Frankenstein the heck out of it. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that's any, I've never had a session where it wasn't a mashup unless it was like a one word thing or I, I was making a sound where I was like, I've had, I've had sessions where I just go, huh, which are the best? Cause you still get paid. You still get paid the same. You get paid the same for that than you do if you're talking, you know, if you got a bunch of word salad, it's 60 seconds long. When you start attacking auditions, is there like a number that you're like, okay, I get burned after this, or I don't try to do more than this, or I'm trying to, I want to do at least five to 10 a day. I mean, is there a number that you feel that you're good at? I think if it's in a row, there've been times when, I mean, I'll do an audition every day if I, and and most of this stuff, because I'm union, I'm not on sites like, you know, Upwork or Fiverr or any of those, because a lot of that's non-union. And, and yeah. some people now they're just auditioning machines. Yeah. And which I, which I think is amazing. I think that if, if I'm doing maybe five or six in a row, I need to take, at least take a break. Cause I feel like sometimes I'm like, oh, okay. I did one for one for McDonald's. And then there was one that was for like tire barn and then this one's for a pharmaceutical but i kind of still sound like the mcdonald's read for the pharmaceutical thing so that's that doesn't match so i'll step away but i honestly i mean it'd be amazing if if my whole day was just you know rocking and rolling on the mic but i think that i'd say after maybe three or four i need to take at least like a half hour break and then you know drink some tea with some honey in it (laughs) prep the voice and then get back in front of the mic Everything can be cured with hot water and tea, I always say. or Everything. And a little bit of honey in there. So you've worked at a talent agency yourself. You worked for Grossman Jack. Tell me a little bit about how you got hired then to go from being in, I believe, IT, wasn't it, to being a voice talent? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, IT was like, IT was the next tier up. I honestly was just doing data entry for talent payments. What? Pretty much, I moved to Chicago after college. And was in a play, and I think I was making like maybe like thirty bucks, thirty bucks a week, and was living on my buddy's couch. And I, uh, in a roundabout way, there was a somebody who came and filmed the filmed the promotional content for the play I was in that we could put up on YouTube or blah blah blah, all that kind of stuff. Well, mm-hmm. I went up to him because I had a background in theater and in 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 film production, and I said, "Hey, do you need an assistant?" And he goes, "Oh yeah, maybe from time to time, but." Um, why don't you meet me at my office? And I met him in his office that happened to be in this in Grossman and Jack Talent. And he was their part-time IT guy. And he had a deal set up where he could, he, I'm getting real deep. Everybody, you're going to have fun with this story. He was doing their IT in, in, in sort of a trade-off that he got a free office space for his production company. Oh, wow. So he was kind of doing half and half. So ultimately what, what happened was I was doing part-time work for him, sort of doing edits and setting up, a, 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 you know, like production calendar, all that stuff for the production company. But then within the talent agency, they needed a part-time uh, data entry guy. And so I just said, well, I'm here anyway. Why don't we kind of like split my day between those two things? I don't even have to move my desk. And so I did that. And after a while, they kind of saw, you know, ultimately I'd go over and if somebody was having trouble with their Gmail, I'd be like, oh, just do this, this, and this. 
and they go, you're a genius. You're going to set up all of our, you can be our IT guy. You know, you can do, manage our computer system and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, hold up. Uh, well, we'll see. And so then that, that gave them the trust that if the agent who ran the studio, the voiceover studio for auditions was out, I could come in and manage that. So ultimately what happened was I'd go in and I would run these auditions. I would just soak up all the information from all of these actors coming in because not only were they great, but I was, I was putting in their paychecks. I saw how much they made. And I was wow. like, I want to make that much money. Sure. And so I kind of picked their brains. You know, I'd, I'd ask a couple of the guys if, you know, hey, can I take you out to lunch? And, and would sort of say, hey, well, you know, what's your process? And then ultimately what did it was there were a couple of dialogue reads where I filled in for someone who didn't show up. And the agent was like, oh, Bobby, you, you don't suck. Maybe we'll throw you on some auditions. And so I, I would go in for, uh, you know, auditions at the end of the day if there was time. And mm-hmm. then I, I, booked a, I booked a few. And then the rest just kind of like compounded and my confidence grew. And I kind of learned how to, what my technique was and style was. And then I'd say for like the last almost 10 years, um, was, uh, was totally able to make a living and keep the lights on that way. So that's the, that's the detailed unabridged story for all of your listeners. The the spot that you did, and I and I correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was radio, TV, and print from Microsoft. Yeah, yeah, that was in t- uh, 2013. Yeah, not bad. That's a nice one. I might put that near the top of my resume. Just oh yeah, that I'm was just great. Saying. One of the the actors you got to meet was Chelsea Ross, and if you don't know Chelsea Ross, he's been in everything. You know, um, he was in uh, Rudy. He was in Major League. He's been in a lot of big movies. And you two have become friends. We weren't having dinner or anything, but <laughs> Chelsea's got <laughs> Chelsea's all over the place. But yeah, when we when he'd come in, we would, you know, we'd talk and I'd check in and his son had a band and I'd ask how it was going and he'd play the songs and I had a thing that was going on with NBC for a while and he helped by we did some Instagram posts with him and but yeah, he's a he's a real sweet guy. And you were also on a um I know you were on a sitcom for a while. And the term that always comes to mind is low marble count. <laughs> that was, yeah, I was, yeah, I was on a, that was for a guest spot I did or a co-star role I did on a show called Sirens, which was on USA for like two seasons. I wasn't on for two seasons. I was on for one episode, but I played a guy who had a lawn dart stuck in his back, but he was so drunk he didn't know. And one of the, you know, one of the leads on the show, they were paramedics came over and they're like, what's going on with this? And they were like, oh, he's got an obvious case of LMC. They're like, what's that? Low marble count. <laughs> and I was just delirious and laughing and loving it. No, that was one of my that was one of my favorite episodes. In fact, I think it was probably the best episode of Sirens. I watched a couple of them and that was my favorite. Is there any kind of thing that you would say, you know, if you want to get to uh, an agency like a Grossman and Jack, what is the best way to approach them? I think the best way the best way to approach, of course, I think is just, you know, submitting a submitting a demo um getting your demo together and then to do that because that's so easy for me to say and then i know your listeners are going okay that's great uh, so how do I, how, how do i do that where do i start with that yeah. and i think that the the one the one place that you really want to uh start is by honestly just taking a class and it doesn't even have to be a voiceover class or a, or a demo class it could just be an acting class and now with everything online it's a lot easier to tap into some of these killer killer schools and academies that yeah. You know, before you had to be in person, now you can do it, you know, virtually. And I, I really think that 
having a strong understanding of like of performing and acting and 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 tapping into the you know emotionality of, of a of a read even if it's just an announcer for I know I keep picking on it but like an announcer for McDonald's or something yep. I think if, if you're able to connect that's the first place to start and then from there you can do a a, a lot of these voiceover classes that you do there's a uh, at the end you do it you can you can have like a sample demo maybe like a 30 second Typically, a demo is like a minute long. You can have what's called a sample, what I call a sample demo, which is like thirty seconds, and you can submit that to uh, to pretty much all the you know all the agencies either in your area or again now virtually the the yeah. doors are open like before. But I'd say that's the best and easiest, quickest way. And uh, and honestly, too, a lot of these classes have connections with agencies. Uh, within this the city or the regions that they're in, and so that's good too. If you if you just really knock it out of the park, and your teachers like or instructors like, man, you nailed it. They might refer you uh, to an agency that they that they play with. Has it changed as far as how you audition? You've been doing this for a long time now. Is it that much different auditioning now than it was, you know, so many years ago? No, I just think I think the frequency is a little is a little less just because non-union's a lot a lot stronger than it's been before, mm-hmm. um, and that's not a gripe. That's just me saying that that's that's how it is, and I, I totally understand why. Um, but I mean the the approach, the way that I get auditions, the way that I you know uh, that I'm in the booth, or, or, or the way that they're written, everything is still pretty much the same as it was you know when I was when I was just you know getting my feet wet back and like. 2010, 20, you know, 2009. So maybe the frequency of auditioning is different, but I mean, essentially performance hasn't changed. No, 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 no. Performance is the, is, is totally the same. And even more now, I think they really, really Mm -hmm. want real people that connect with the listener specifically because a lot of it now is built around empathy. Like we, we feel that everyone's in, in, a, in a place and, and, and a lot of people are struggling. And so just being able to sort of like live in that world and just be like, hey, I got you. Like that's sort of a, I, I mean, it's, it's no different than being like warm and funny and goofy. It's just a different aspect of, of your instrument. And so, yeah, I feel like it, it's, it's still the same. It, it just might be a different emotionality or a different yeah. emotion that, you know, agencies and, and yeah. spots are one to target. Yeah. I, I mean, if anything, I kind of feel like it's getting more casual and open to more like regional sounds than it ever has been before. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I used to be that... All announcers, we all sounded exactly the same, and it was, you know, we all had the same kind of diction. And, you know, I, I think, you know, anymore, it's it's pretty real. In fact, if anything, I think dirtying it up might give you an advantage in some ways. I think it just makes you sound, again, I go back to it. it I guess that would be my fourth thing. It just makes you sound like a human being. Yeah. It makes you sound real. Yeah. I think, and that's what people connect to. Yeah. Do you keep track of like how many auditions you do? Do you like track ratios and like okay, I I'm getting these kinds of jobs or I used to. I used to do that um when it was like my then that that was my my 9 to 5. I'm I'm spoiled in a sense now for the first time almost. I think for the first time in my life I've I have a a a salaried 9 to 5 producing wow. this podcast and that's that honestly the I'm almost I'm almost 38 and I've been working since I was like maybe 14. And so I have never ever had I've always been freelance or part-time, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in my whole adult life has been freelance. So I would you know, I would absolutely keep I would go, okay, cool. I need to book. 
I want to book five spots this month, you know, like five national spots this month. And again, I don't know if I ever did book five national spots in a month. There were months that I did really well, but they were never national. But when you have those goals and you set those goals and you track that stuff, it's you're so intentional with it that even even if you only get two national spots, yeah. that's a pretty good outcome. You're gonna be okay. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna eat well that month. Oh yeah. And and I wanted to talk to you about Donald Miller. I love his stuff and uh the building a story brand, if you haven't bought the book, buy the book. Do the online, uh, fill that out. It is an eye-opener as far as how uh, it can change your perspective on marketing. How did you and Donald Miller get hooked up? Well, I was like you. I was totally on board with StoryBrand and, and the idea behind it. And, and it, for those of you that, that don't know, StoryBrand is a... Uh, is a it's a marketing it's a marketing company that really focuses their message on the uh, the tenets of storytelling. So that idea of you know the customer is the hero and you're the guide. You know uh, your business is guiding the customer to the products that you provide that makes their life better. Um, and so I, I was I, I got into it uh, sort of a roundabout way. I think I was listening to one podcast and Donald was a uh, he was a guest and I was like, who is this Donald Miller? And I got his book and this was like four years ago. <laughs> and just that helped completely, uh, change my, my freelance business and the way that I was working with clients. And that really helped boost all that, that side of things that I was working in, in sort of the production world and the directing world. And when the pandemic hit, uh-huh. uh, Don and, and his company were, were releasing all these videos and, and this content that was really focused on helping companies pivot yeah. uh, during the pandemic. And I was just soaking it all up. And that was that was really helping me turn the lights on because voiceover on camera, they were they were they were done for, you know, I think probably about a m- month, two months yeah. when things first hit. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And I saw a job posting maybe in like early June, uh, of last year. And it was for a podcast producer. And I was like, well, I kind of play in this world. I've never produced a podcast before, but I produced everything but a podcast. I bet I could do that. And through a, uh, you know, a series of interviews I submitted, you know, preliminary interviews, had a, you know, had about like two weeks of interviews and ultimately got the gig and, and then moved out to Nashville about two weeks after that. My, my daughter was maybe three weeks old <laughs> And, uh, and so we did a move, uh, from Chicago to Nashville with a newborn in a pandemic and, and we did it and it was great. And so that's kind of what happened was I was just a fan. Mm -hmm. I saw an opportunity, uh, you know, jumped at it and, uh, have had, you know, am having the time of my life, you know, figuring out how to grow, uh, how to grow their podcast network. And, And we've got a lot of cool new stuff on the, on the horizon coming up in the next few months. But, uh, I mean, it's been a whirlwind. A lot of, lot of, lot of crazy, crazy times, but in the in the best way. I think one of the reasons it speaks to you know people like us in the business is that it's about a story, and we tell stories all day long. That's what we do. And so, him breaking down your marketing into a story and how you can that you can attract your clients or find a way to help them uh, with a story. I mean, it just it makes total sense. And I was like, wow, it was like a big eye opener for me. So. I'm a big fanboy for uh, what Donald Miller's does. I listen to the podcasts, uh, and I highly recommend it myself. So, 
Well, thanks. We'll take all the we'll take all the all the listeners we can get. We'll, <laughs> we'll help change as many lives as possible. We can all have all the listeners can come to all of the podcasts. You know, I mean that that's the thing I I think uh, podcasting does best is that it passes on it it shares information really well. Oh, I I, I mean I. I live in podcasts. I live inside. Before I produce them and now I analyze them like crazy. Mm-hmm. But even outside of that, I just, I, I mean, I get my information from podcasts, my stories from podcasts, my entertainment from podcasts. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, that's the only place that I, I, I live. So tell me what's one of the, the most fun voice jobs or on-camera project you've done, say, in the last year? Um, I think for the, and you wouldn't think it, but for the, for the Food and Drug Administration, um, which was such a, a random gig. I, uh, I'm, I'm on, I'm on a handful of spots that they're, that they, that they're running on Facebook and, and YouTube. And it's all, it's all web and social uh-huh. where I play this little like pink furry creature that is trying to find his chewing tobacco because the whole spot is about, um, anti uh anti smokeless tobacco and just like you know all the all the all the bad things that come along with that and and so this creature is just literally it's stop motion animated and he's looking for he's looking for his his chew and he can't find it and so he's real frustrated so it was a lot of sounds like you know and it was just something that was so outside of what I did and I'd done a, a couple other things for them where I was a talking bass who was singing and this all came from a spot that I did that where I was just the announcer, but I kind of had a twang in my voice. And they said, well, hey, can you, can you do other characters? And you never say no. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, I got millions of characters. <laughs> <laughs> and in my head, I'm like, I don't know what they need, but I'm totally going to, I'm going to give them anything that I can. And so they go, hey, can you do like a Broadway style singing bass? And I go, oh, can I? Sure. <laughs> and then I'd always go, do you have a reference? Like, hey, what, you're like, what are you looking for? And then I can always go to the reference and go, cool, uh, sweet. I guess I got to figure out how to do this voice. So, but that, yeah, so that kind of led from this announcer voice led to this like little bubblegum looking, you know, cotton candy creature that was looking for chewing tobacco <laughs> that didn't speak. And so, yeah, that was just a couple months ago. That was a lot of fun. Uh, and, and by the way, are you now hooked on doing animation type things? I, I, yeah, I, I'm hooked on doing animation stuff where it's like that. Um, I've auditioned for a, a handful of stuff for Cartoon Network, and and I love it, but it is that thing of, like, I try not to get in my head. Because a lot of the stuff, this is, I'm pretty fresh to, uh, I've had animation auditions for, like, the last maybe, like, five years. But um, but a lot of it's like, oh, it's, it's such a completely different world because you have to maintain that character mm-hmm. for what, 22 episodes, and then, you know, lock that in because you can't really evolve. You could evolve it sort of, but ultimately you got to have it nailed right from the start. Yeah. And with that kind of thing, you're kind of creating it, and it's a, it's this character that you're exploring and stuff. I don't know. I, I guess that's a long way to say it scares me, but in the best way, in the best way ever. Like, I, I totally would, would, I would never, ever not want to be on an animation thing, but I feel like I'm like, oh, man, that's a lot of work. That's a lot. That's like a, that's like a, double full-time job but again i would not complain if if it if it came my way and would totally would totally give it everything i had if you haven't tried animation it is the most fun you'll ever had and the scariest thing you'll ever do oh yeah yeah i feel like if it doesn't with me that's like with the story brand with the gig i'm in now that it scared me so much mm-hmm. and, that, and I, that's the stuff that i chase 
I try to chase the stuff that scares me the most, as long as it's not like, you know, jumping out of an airplane with no parachute. It's the stuff that it's like, oh, it scares me because it's going to stretch my my creative uh, my creative abilities further than I feel like I can comfortably go. But the, I think that's one of the things I've always admired about your work is that you seem fearless whenever I hear your stuff. I'm like, oh, man, I would have never done that. I don't want to. You seem to get past that ability to not be afraid to make a fool out of yourself. And, and I mean that in, in a very nice way. Oh, I take that as a compliment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think maybe that's just because, I, yeah, I, I don't look at it as making a fool out of myself more than I go, oh, this is totally a tool I can use because I am so desensitized in anybody going, well, that was dumb. And I'm like, sweet. I'm glad you thought that. But there are definitely things that are like outside of my peripheral that, I, you know, that I'm just like, oh, oh, there, that thing is a thing. Oh, there's, you know, deep stuff in animation. Oh, I can, I can keep this up for 30 seconds for a... <laughs> You know, for some random, you know, random spot or like a 10-second PSA on Facebook. But for 22 minutes or for an entire season, oh, man, that's scary. What are you reading these days that has really captured your attention? So I'm reading a book called Make Noise by Eric Nuzum. And he's a podcast. Uh, I call him the—I call him like the the— godfather of podcasts. He's the guy who created Invisibilia and the TED Radio Hour, mm-hmm. TED Talk Radio Hour, all that stuff. And he's an NPR guy that kind of made NPR cool, if that makes any sense. And so I'm kind of a I'm 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 into his book, but it's 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 kind of the story brand framework. It's like uh, the 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 framework that that my company and and that that we use with with uh, businesses, but it's for podcasts and just ultimately in storytelling and and it really really talks about just the way that that uh, creators can can make engaging podcasts and engaging content without having to really stress about was my gear is my gear the best gear is this the best stuff it's really going hey you know what just focus on telling an engaging story to an audience that you really want to tell that wants to hear that story and uh and that's just blowing my mind and mm-hmm. i'm 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 loving every i'm loving every page anything that talks about stories or how to tell stories i think is a great inspiration um i love watching that's one of the reasons i enjoy ken burns so much is that oh yeah he he's the ultimate storyteller you know we were watching hemingway last night it's like oh my gosh what a great story and it's like it's like a it's like a massage. Yeah. Any Ken Burns thing, it's just like you just come out of it. You're still you're a little sore because like I just watched something on the Civil War, but man, I just feel like I'm you know like I hurt a little because that's intense. That was an awful time, but man, we got a lot of information and like and I'm, I I want to watch the next fifteen parts of the series. <laughs> you're right. I mean, he does kind of inflict. Um you know, just how difficult or how tough life is in, in his stories, whether it's a civil war, whether it's it's on you know, Teddy Roosevelt, whatever it is, you know, he does, he's, he brings you into that and you kind of feel what's going on. Oh yeah. I love, I love Ken Burns. I love a good, a good slow burn doc. Hey, uh, Bobby, thank you so much. You know, um, we've been friends for a long time and I've always really admired your work. So um, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Well, right back at you, Steve. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for listening to The VoiceOver Hustle with Steve O'Brien. Check out our website, thevoiceoverhustle.com. You can sign up for the newsletter, read the blog, and I'd love to hear from you. If you like the show, rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast.